may be seated. Thank you for joining us here at Christian Faith Fellowship and online and wherever you may be this morning just to worship the Lord. When you came in, there was a table back there with some flyers for Rodeo Sunday, some sign-up stuff. There's information there. That's happening right here on the campus. I know many of you are new to the church. And so every year, there's kickoff rodeo week here in Tucson. We have a rodeo Sunday. So you wear your cowboy gear, cowgirl gear, and we're going to whoop it up and have some fun. We'll be doing more country style, if that's your thing, uh, in the worship. And uh, we'll have a, a mechanical bull competition, chili cook-off, hot dogs. Everything's free. We'll have pony rides for the kids. Uh, different stuff going on. It's just a great opportunity for you to invite someone to church that doesn't normally go and uh, let them just be with us. God is doing good stuff and we want them to know who he is and this will help you when you're each one reach one and teach one, right? So you can do this and see what's happening. And so uh, those of you that are from the mission, uh, maybe you can put in a uh, little request to be here after church and stay with us. It'll be about from 1230 to 330-ish somewhere like that so maybe extend your day a little bit with us and have some fun and and uh it'll be a blast it always is it's it's fun and and god is good and we'll look forward to what he's doing we also have some other things happening some new shirts available online if you want to order those uh for full throttle i was told it wasn't on the site yet but i announced it and it's on the announcement cards if it's not there it will be shortly so you can go on there and order one if you'd like it's a men's and women's button-up white only no other changes. It's just what it is. Don't buy it if you don't want it. Buy it if you do. All right, we're good to go. All right, there's other stuff on that card you picked up on your way in that'll tell you what's happening, how to join the church, whatever, whatever. Enough of that. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We tell you all that because we want you to understand that we need Jesus too. And so when you look at me and you think he's a pitiful little boy and you pray for me, that'd be awesome. I need Jesus more today and I want to grow up. And so you continue to pray for me in that endeavor, and I will with you. And so when we look at one another, um, let's not cast stones. Let's uh, lift each other up in prayer and ask God to do something in the heart. Everybody and anybody's welcome to be in this church. We open the doors to anyone just like God has. That doesn't mean we're okay with you living like you want because God's not. God wants us to live according to his standard, and he died to give us one, and so we need to step into that, but we welcome you into the congregation so that we can learn what that is and grow in it, all right? So just so you know, you're welcome here. We love you, and we're glad that you're with us. We have been called. Yeah, man, God is good, isn't he? If God's willing to take me in, he's willing to take you in, no doubt about it, right? And he loves you, and he loves me, and uh, it's pretty awesome that he would do that. We have a goal that God has established for our church for each one or each one and teach one, right? And I pray that you're working on that. So I'm going to ask you every week, I have these accountability questions. We usually run down through them, but I'm going to ask them a little differently today. So just hold on and listen up, okay? So here you go. When I ask the first few questions, the first one is always spending time in God's word. The second one is to just share God's story with someone, spend time alone with God. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? So in that context um, of what we're asking you, in the one about spending time in God's word, spending time alone with him, knowing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, uh, it's about you developing a relationship with God. And so outside of church, you need to be spending time with God, growing in your relationship with him, because if the only place you're growing is at church, you're not really growing very well and you won't. If the only place that you're spiritually uh, growing and being fed is when you come to the house of God, um, grow up. Come 
<laughs> okay? It's great that you're here. It's great that God's doing stuff, but you need to do it on your own. And that's what that's talking about. Is this faith that you claim going home with you? Is it impacting your life? And are you building it when you're on your own? That's the point of those, those uh, accountability questions. And so, church, I'm asking you, are you doing that? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Don't try. Do it. All right, then... Uh, so the next part of that would be, uh, yeah, there's always someone that uses the word try. I'm not sure one of, which one of you all said that, so I didn't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just saying stop trying and do it, okay? <laughs> trying is one of our excuses for failure. All right, so let's do this, all right? The next part of those questions here, are you giving as God has asked you to give, time, talent, resources? Did you invite someone to church? I've been praying and working towards each one, reach one, teach one, right? Sharing a God story with someone. What those accountability questions ask is, not only are you building this relationship, being with God, listening to God, walking with God, but then are you doing something with it? Like James says, if you're not doing, living, acting, being your faith, don't tell me about it. Because it doesn't mean anything. Unless that faith is more than just a word or a thing in your life, and it's actually impacting how you are, how you live, what you do, how you speak, how you talk, how you act to people, then your faith means nothing. So that's the part of the uh, accountability questions that's saying, now, church, are we taking traction with this relationship and actually living it? Are you? Okay, in the context of what we're asking then, that means you're giving your time, talent, resources. You are inviting people to church. You're sharing your faith. That's what you're doing. That's how we do it. All right, so the point of that is, is we're talking about building a relationship with the creator of the universe. Come on, church, one of the things that we tend to forget is who the God we serve is. We have so, uh, in a good way, I'm saying this, but uh, in a challenging way, we have so humanized him that we forget the vastness of who he is. The fact that in the beginning, he was, we can't comprehend. That in all of that, he just said, let there be, and there was. The galaxies that he spun out, the stars that he knows by name, the creation of this world and how he made it, and then the fact that that creator let us have freedom to live, and whether we want to live for him or not, he gave us that choice. I mean, that is some crazy stuff. That is crazy stuff that God, the creator, said, you can tell me if you want to be with me or not. Because we were made in his likeness and his image, God gave us sovereignty, church. Please hear me. God gave us sovereignty. Therefore, with this godness that he placed within us, we have the ability to let him be God or not in my life. We don't have to surrender to him. We can say no. We don't have to pray. We don't have to read the Bible. We don't have to live for him. We don't have to accept Jesus Christ. We don't have to believe. He gave us that ability and he gave us that choice. He gave us that sovereignty. That's crazy. And therefore, what this is, is this amazing God calling to us and saying, I, the creator of the universe, want to have a relationship with you. Will you? Oh, are you kidding? Come on. Come on, church, think about it. 
God is calling me and you and saying, come to be with me. <laughs> that blows my mind. It does. I'm still like overwhelmed with that reality that he would even care or think or want or pursue. It's nuts. So we were talking about our prayer life, right? <clears throat> yeah. Assessing our prayers and comparing them with Jesus' model, how he taught the Lord's Prayer, how he taught us to pray, and how he modeled it himself. And um, that's what we were talking about last week. If you weren't here, that's what it was. And you can always look online and follow whatever, uh, the messages that are there in the archives. Not whatever. Don't follow whatever. <laughs> you can see those messages and know what we were talking about. But you didn't have to be here to know where we're going. So let's go. All right. Most people pray. Um, I would venture to say everybody prays at some point in time in their life. I don't care who they are. And um, there comes a point in our time in our life where we recognize we have no control. I, I don't care when that is. It happens. And usually it happens more than once. And it is in those moments of inability to control, knowing we have no control, that we cry out for help. And so... I've seen it, and you've seen them like interviews on the streets, and if not, you can always look that up on YouTube or whatever. Not even Christian people, just talking to people and surveys that are done. Do you pray? Do you talk to God? If you do, you know, what do you ask him for? And people say, you know, yeah, oh yeah, I pray. And most people do. They pray to their higher power. They don't want to name him. They don't want to claim the God of the Bible, but they pray. Okay. So uh, what do we pray for? We would ask like, okay, are you praying? What are you praying for? Um, the great majority of people are going to ask for one of three things. Healing for a physical problem in themselves or a family member, someone they love. Financial help in themselves, issues they're facing, or someone they love. And relationship problems either for themselves or someone they love. Pretty much always those three things are in the context of that request. As your pastor, the vast majority, and I'm not telling you not to do this, just hear me. Most of the people that come to me and say, pray for me, has to do with one of those things. Has to do with physical problems, financial problems, or relationship problems. Okay? So, not many people come to me and say, hey, um, can you pray for the Spirit of God to move on Tucson? Nobody comes to me before the service and says, let me pray with you about the Spirit of God falling in the service and lives being transformed and the, and the kingdom of God coming. Honestly, don't know if that's ever happened in all the years of my ministry life. Think about it. What we want God to do is fix us, our problems, the people we love, the people we care about, and most of our prayers are driven by selfishness. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask those prayers, so please do not misunderstand me. God has invited us to bring our needs to him. He has. But when our prayer life consists of our requests of God making my life better and the life of those I love better and comfortable and all of that, we're out of balance. 
with what it's all about. So, when we were talking about the prayer that Jesus was teaching us and talking about our prayer time, and we looked at what Jesus was doing in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount that's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Those chapters, the fullness is the full context of the message. But in one part of the message that Jesus is teaching, he's talking about prayer. And so the beginning of that prayer is, and we went over this last week, but I'm hitting these two points on purpose because we were assessing our prayers last week, right? So Jesus said, don't. He gave us two don'ts before he taught us how to pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Don't be like this. Don't be like this. Father, it's Dave. I love you. You love me. I know you do. You're amazing. We have this great relationship. You know, we got this thing going on. I want everybody to know that I know God and he knows me and and God, I want you to hear my prayers today and be glorified by doing this thing. And, and as I display my spirituality before everyone in this congregation and I talk to you, Jesus said, that's a hypocritical prayer, man. It's not about you. It's not about people seeing you have a relationship with God. It's not about this proclamation of words. I mean, it's funny. I've heard people pray when all of a sudden they just start speaking in King James English or something, you know, and it's like... <laughs> All of a sudden, it's spiritual language that God understands and stuff. And he's like, look, it's not about that. Okay? And then he goes on. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Father, we come before you. Father, we come before you. Father, I'm bringing my needs to you. It's like we think that there's a magic number that when I hit the quota, God's going to all of a sudden do something. He said, that's the way the pagans do it. They think by the repetitious words that they can accomplish something where all of a sudden the hand of God moves. It's like we're earning God's favor, scoring brownie points or prayer points and storing it up in the bank of God's answer fulfillment. And so when I meet the word quota and I say it enough times, bingo, the jackpot falls out and my prayers are answered. Jesus says, don't do that. That's ridiculous. Pagans do that. So now remember who Jesus is talking to. Please, church, hear me. Who is he talking to on this day? They are the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, the people of God. They are the people with the temple. They are the people who know to worship God. They've been taught prayer all along. They know the Psalms. They use them in their worship. They know that their fathers prayed and they pray. And yet Jesus is talking to God people, hear me church, and he's telling them how not to pray and then how to pray, and he's talking to followers of God. That's pretty crazy stuff. So, obviously they were doing it wrong. <laughs> he didn't say, hey, you guys are doing a great job praying. Don't do this. Don't do this. You need to do it like this. Let's do this. Let's learn together. So today what we're going to do is we're going to pray what we call in our context of the church, the Lord's Prayer. 
We're going to put it on the screen for you, and I know that many of you learned it in the King James if you were raised in the church, and so you think that these and the thous are there, and you're used to that, but we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. We're not changing the meaning of the prayer. I put it on the screen so we could all say the same words together, and if you were raised in a Catholic church, Lutheran church, Presbyterian church, Episcopal church, etc., 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 you may have learned transgressions or debts or sins, one of those words in that one part of the prayer. So if I just asked you to do it, we'd hear this going together and all of a sudden, because everybody would be doing it the way they learned it, right? So I want to do it where we do it together. So it's on the screen, simple English, plain straight at you, same truth. You ready? I'm not going to pray it out loud because I don't want to lead it in the mic. I want us to pray together. Ready? Our Father. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer and it's prayed across the globe and churches everywhere, um, let's look at what Jesus was telling us and understand something about the context of what he's saying. No matter what translation you read, meaning King James, New King James, New Living Translation, New International Version, whatever translation you think is holy, um, these words precede that prayer, and every one of those translations say the same thing. This is what Jesus said. Pray like this. Pray like this. It does not say, pray this. It says, pray like this. Please hear me. Jesus was giving us a model or a template of understanding what it meant to have relationship with the Father. So check it out. He's beginning the prayer saying, remember who you're talking to, our Father who art in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We were just singing about it on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how the will of God works in heaven? It happens. It happens. The will of the Father happens in heaven. The prayer says... Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At the beginning of the prayer, what I'm saying is I know who I'm talking to. I know you're sovereign God. I know you have all power, authority. You are the creator. Let your will be done right here, right now, the same way it is there. God, let your will be done. We have submitted our prayers and what we're asking and what we're doing to the will of the Father at the get-go. <laughs> now, let your kingdom come. Let it come. Come on, God, ushered in. You know what Jesus was talking about? The kingdom of heaven. He continually talked about the coming kingdom of heaven. Okay. Got to keep that in our minds as we're going because he's teaching us to pray and he's ministering and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven continuously. In that prayer, we pray for our daily needs, our daily bread. Just give us our basic needs. Forgive me. God, forgive me, just like I forgive everyone else. Keep us victorious over temptation and free from the devil. Okay, that's basically the context of the model prayer, right? The template. So when Jesus said, pray like this, Jesus is saying, 
Your prayers need to be based in a Christian life relationship with God. And it's all about that relationship. When you look at that prayer, that model is about living your Christian life in relationship with the Father and being on this planet who God made you to be. Okay? That's the context of the prayer. All right. Jesus, previous to this prayer, said, don't do this, don't do this. What have we done in the church? We've done exactly what he said not to do with what he showed us. And we have made the Lord's Prayer a pray that we just say, and we say it over and over again, as if it's a prayer to God and it's going to move the hand of God because it's the Lord's Prayer. But he said, pray like this. Don't babble on and on. Don't just say words. Come into a relationship with the Father in your prayer. Oh my goodness, man. The church is so screwed up. The pastors and the clergy and the priests who's led the church were screwed up. It's the same problem that Jesus was having in the very day he was talking to them. The, the leaders of the church had taken what God had talked to them about a relationship with him about and made it a legalistic religious activity. And that's what we've done with prayer. It's just like, I got to do this. This is what it is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily daily bread, etc., etc., etc. Amen. So last Sunday, in the action steps, I made a suggestion, uh, or maybe it wasn't a suggestion. I don't remember how I said it, but uh, take some time to write out your prayers this week, right? <clears throat> um, the reason why we ask you to write out your prayers, maybe not every day, you don't have to do it all the time, but it's a good thing to do. And the point of the discipline was so that you would know what you're asking God for and how your prayers are shaped and really what drives your prayers. So, did you? If not, it'd be a good thing to do this week, okay? That wasn't a catcher. I'm just trying to help us, okay? Um, so, here's the thing. The reason why we wanted to do that is to keep track of how we pray, what we ask for, because as we look at it, we're continuously being driven towards self in our prayers. And very little of our prayers get uh, directional towards kingdom and relationship. Most of it is about fix me, help me, do something, make my life easier. So let's say this is your first day here and you didn't, weren't here last week. And maybe you were. I'm going to ask you this question. What did you pray for this week? What was the driving force behind your request? I asked you that last Sunday. What did you ask for and what was the driving force behind your request? Um... In your prayer time this week, this one I'm going to ask you to answer yes or no to. Well, no, don't answer no. Just answer yes if it's an affirmative. I don't want to hear any names, please. Uh, that's okay if it's mine. I don't care. But I, Did anyone, did, when you were praying this week and spending time with God, did God bring anyone to your mind that you needed to forgive? See, when you come into the presence of God and relationship and kingdom stuff and he says you know forgive us as we forgive others and we're talking to God he's like uh, what about that what about them 
Okay, right? Okay, so did you forgive them? Yes. Are they forgiven today? Yes. See, it doesn't do you any good if you just say, oh, yeah, I forgive them, and then kind of like put that in the closet like, uh, yeah, I know who they are. <laughs> See, when God forgave me, he pursued me relentlessly. This is the craziness about this incredible love that the sovereign God who loved me forgave me and offered to me this forgiveness before I ever asked. That doesn't mean I was forgiven. It means I had the potential to be forgiven and all the work was done for that forgiveness. God pursued me relentlessly with his love and this sovereign little being of self said no. This sovereign little being knowing that he was God said you know later on I got stuff to do this sovereign little being when the presence of God would come strong and say you need me would say no I'll do it later and this incredible God the entire time was pressing in upon me with his relentless pursuit of forgiveness and love saying come and so when the day came that I finally said, yes, he was there. And forgiveness was there. Grace was there. Mercy was there. Love was there. I mean, that's just mind-blowing crazy stuff, man. So what God was doing was relentlessly pursuing me and living in forgiveness and in love for me, even when I didn't deserve it, earn it in any way, shape, or form. So when we're praying and God brings this to mind, he's saying, remember how I pursued you, loved you, forgave you, and we were there. Are you doing that for everyone else? So he's like, are you living in a state of forgiveness and love to the people around you? Oh, it's, we want to say yes, God, but... <laughs> Look, what I want you to hear me because it's really important for us to understand this, that when we forgive them and release them, that doesn't mean God's not holding them accountable for what they did or didn't do. He will, but we can't. Therefore, what God's trying to do is set us free from ourself and understanding what forgiveness and love is fully and so that I can experience the fullness of God's love for my unworthiness. He says, as you have received this from me, give it to them. Just give it to them. Yes. Nope, they don't deserve it. Nope, they haven't earned it. Oh, I didn't either. But he loved me, and he forgave me, and he says this is the way it works in a relationship with the Father. Okay. In our accountability questions weekly, we ask the question, did you spend some time alone with God with no agenda? Oftentimes, I fill in a little more detail on that one when I say, and I have in the past, Spending time alone with God with no agenda. Don't take your Bible. Don't take music. Don't take a pen and paper. Just go be with him. And um, everyone as a Christian, you're spending your time with God. I know that. You're praying. You're talking. You're reading your Bible. You're doing all that stuff. But the specific thing that we're asking, and my goal is and my hope is that everyone in our church would at least spend one time in the month like this, where there's no agenda, you just be with. So on my calendar, I have this established that I will do this, but I, I'm going to confess to you something, that I am a doer for God, 
and I struggle to be with. And it's crazy. It's just ridiculous. That here I am, a pastor, a Christian, walking with God with, since I, you know, I don't know, a lot of years, preaching for over 30 years. And the biggest struggle in my calendar is to be with. The creator of the universe is saying, come and be with me. And I'm saying, I'm doing something for you. And come on, let's go do it. <laughs> and I am so blessed to be able to do what I do for God, with God. And you have been amazing to let me do that. And, and then the one I do it for says, Dave, come here. Yeah, God, I'm right here. Come on, let's talk. Come on. I'm listening. And so remember, I told you last Sunday that a week ago Thursday, I was committed to quiet time, which is hard enough for me. I don't mean that disrespectfully to God. I meant just my own fleshly stupidity in person. To be quiet, I want to have noise. I want to do stuff. I want to hear things. I don't like quietness. And uh, God challenged me, so I was committed to spending quiet time with God. In the midst of that, from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm in my quiet time with God, doing my walk, doing my stuff I do, bring less stuff. And God just like, be still. I told you this last week, be still. I stopped. I knew exactly what he was saying. Stop moving, Dave. Be calm, be still, be quiet, be with me. And I was so uncomfortable. And so I told you I did it. You know, of course, when God's challenging you, you're not going to be like, no, I mean, I'm not that dumb anymore. <laughs> so sit down and be with them, man. And I did. And I'm like, I'm committing myself to do this. Oh, my goodness, that's been the hardest thing for me to do. That's, I'm embarrassed to tell you that. I, I, I am. I, I'm embarrassed that I'm like, in my day? Are you kidding me? That I couldn't take... Five to 15 minutes to sit down and do nothing and be with God, the creator of the universe. And here I have to discipline myself to do that. I'm jacked up. <laughs> Seriously, man, I'm jacked up. That's, there's something wrong with me. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I will. I am. So this week on Thursday... All week long, I've been doing this thing and fighting to do it and making myself be there. And this past Thursday, I'm out in the wilderness. I'm alone. And I've been out here for, uh, it's been, um, I was out there for two and a half hours. And I'm, uh, I'm not telling you this for any, I'm, this is, it's important for me to tell you, okay? So I'm, I'm standing out there in the foothills and the grass and the beauty of creation and I started looking around, and I'm just being there, and I just started thanking God. I don't know what I was doing before that. I was just like driving to church, I guess. I was just there. But in that moment, I began to thank God, and I just started thanking him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I mean, I didn't even say thank you for maybe the second thing, and it was like the tangible presence of God embraced me was like this holy hug where the presence of God just overwhelmed me. 
And I was standing there all alone in the wilderness, tears just flowing down my face in awe of God. And as I stood there in awe of him and feeling his embrace, this conviction of shame and guilt flooded over me of like, oh my goodness, are you dumb? <laughs> God's inviting me to this all the time. And I'm so busy doing stuff for him that I don't even take the time that I need to take to be with him just to be with him. And I learned something about that is that Dave's uncomfortable with being alone and quiet because... I really am uncomfortable with personal conversation. <laughs> I, uh, you know, like, I, I don't mind listening to you talk. I mean, I can seriously, I can hear anything you have to say, and I've heard it from people, but to have a conversation about personal stuff freaks me out. Everything inside of me is like, yeah, get out of here. I mean, I had to learn that with my wife, and I struggled there for years. And so it's like, God's like, Dave, you need to be healed here. There's this thing inside of you where you need to be open, transparent, and real with me. And it's like, you know, man, I like it a lot better when I have praise and worship music on. And I'm like, <laughs> God, you're amazing. I love you. And I'm talking and we're singing and I'm writing down stuff to share with you. I love that, man. There's nothing like that, God. Let's get there. And he's like, shh. <laughs> oh, I don't like that quietness. But God, I, shh. Just be with me. So I'm like, so uncomfortable and embarrassed and ashamed and I'm like God man I'm 56 years old and I'm in kindergarten <laughs> I, I'm so embarrassed and I'm like God please let me graduate let me move on in this let me get it okay and what I learned in that moments is that I'm I'm really a good doer I mean in the good context I'm just saying like I, I'm really a I love doing for God. I love it. It's the most greatest thing in the world. But God wants me to do out of the... Dave, I want you to do all that, but it's got to be out of being with me. Not just doing it for me, but being with me. And then so that when you're with me, then you can do for me. And you'll do a lot better for me when you're with me. And so before you do, be. Okay, I hope that all makes sense to you. Before you do, be. So be. And I'm like, yeah, awesome, great. I've often told you about my, uh, my issues with my dad, and I forgave him and stuff, and I've never said anything about my mom, and she's not here today, and she may be watching online. If, uh, if she is, babe, just turn that down for just a second, because i got to say something about my mom. <laughs> um, so she's living with us, and she's been for you know, a while now, and we're taking care of her. She's not the same as she was. Um, our son and daughter-in-law and grandkids moved out this past week and got their place and stuff, and so, like, the house is a lot more quiet now, so it's more uncomfortable for me. And I'm sitting there at the table with my mom, nobody else, and it's quiet. And I am so uncomfortable. This is my mother I'm talking about. 
and I'm so uncomfortable and I don't want to talk because I've not had growing up I didn't have like that kind of conversation with my parents there's six kids man I mean come on seriously it's a, it was a madhouse most of the time uh, not because of them because of us but I never had that kind of a conversation so now here I am and I'm 56 year old my mom's 89 she's sitting at the table with me and I'm like oh I'm gonna grab my iPad I got work to do <laughs> and I found myself seriously all week long that every single time that I sat down at the table I brought my iPad with me and flipped it open even if I wasn't doing anything I didn't even know I was doing it please hear me because it was in that quiet time with God where he was saying, you know, you've been doing the same thing to me that you do with your mother. And you need to stop it. Be with me. So I'm uncomfortable. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, I'll use the excuse like every one of us that we're busy and we don't have time and so like let's work it into this and let's make it work here and I'll do this here and I'll talk and then I start my general talks you know like our father who art in heaven what I'm doing with my mom yeah it's been a beautiful day today see those mountains the sunrise awesome you know dad you want to go out there on the porch and watch the horses mom so I can have those kind of conversations and I yeah see I'm we're we're talking we got a relationship. That's the way a lot of us talk to God. The exact same way. Almost every day. We kind of just give the generalities of things and give him our, submit our list of things for him to do, and we go on with life. So let's, let's, let's go and visit this little glimpse that Dr. Luke in his gospel gives us this little ministry moment in Jesus' life. It's pretty cool stuff. Let's check it out in Luke chapter 5. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. So I want to I put this in context of today. This, in the context of their day, this was like someone meeting him with stage 4 cancer that they already said, go home, we're done, you're in hospice, there's no hope, it's the end of your life. That's what we're looking at right here. Okay, so Jesus is going along, and this, this person, this man with an advanced case of leprosy, when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Check it out. Remember, we were talking about how we often cry out in desperation in our crisis moments, how we need God. Nothing wrong with that. This guy's doing exactly what we're talking about. No hope for me. There's no other way that I can be well. God, do something. <laughs> Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Miracle happened, man. That's awesome stuff right there. Completely whole. And then Jesus grabs him and he says, don't tell anyone what had happened. Go to the priest. Let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. All right, so Jesus didn't say, don't give glory to God. Nope. He said, don't go telling everybody I did this for you. Go to God. Go to God's house. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. And give glory to God for what he's done. Isn't that awesome? 
But in verse 15, <laughs> despite Jesus' instructions, hello, church, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Why were they coming? They heard this amazing stuff going on. They heard that there was power of God being manifested. They wanted to be touched, and they started showing up in droves, in masses, and just everybody wanting Jesus to touch me. Nothing about kingdom stuff, which is what Jesus was all about. Nothing about relationship stuff with God. No. Let's see the manifest power of God displayed in making me better. Let me hear you talk to me in cool stories. Touch me. We know this, church. Now, again, it's nothing wrong with asking for God to do something for you. But as we follow Jesus' ministry, what we find is that it, as soon as Jesus stopped feeding them, healing them, setting them free, and fixing their problems, and he said, you have to give up your life, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is about the kingdom. Everybody took off running and left him. No more crowds, no more multitudes, no more praise. The very moment that he began to tell them, this is not about this, this is about the kingdom, it's about relationship with the Father, I don't want to hear that. I want you to fix me. I want you to change my life. I want you to change my family. Feed me, give me what I want. As soon as it started in the direction of kingdom stuff, Everybody left him because their immediate needs were not being met. What are you seeking God for today? I'm asking you, church. What are you seeking him for today? Why are you here? Seriously, why did you come to church? What are you asking him for? So we look at this ministry of Jesus happening the crowds are growing. The demands on Jesus' time. Everybody wants a personal touch. Isn't that awesome? Everybody wants it. Parents are wanting their kids touched. People are wanting their family members touched. Everybody wants to get in the personal space of Jesus and have a personal encounter. Touch me, fix my problem, do this. Right? Well, look, a move of God was happening. The power of God was actually being manifested, and it was there. But we need to pause here for a minute in the midst of all this, because there's this amazing writing by Dr. Lucas. He's giving us this snapshot of the ministry of Jesus. He gives you an illustration of how Jesus moved with compassion, healed someone, and how the vast multitudes of people began to focus on that aspect. That's what he's showing us. And then he underlines this with the foundation. And this is what he says right there. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Isn't that like a crazy place to make that statement? <laughs> Not really. See, in the masses, in the craziness, in the busyness, in the power of God and all that stuff, Dr. Luke says, hey, 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 let me, let me tell you about how all this happened was because Jesus didn't live there doing. He also was being. We're talking about our Savior. Amen. We're talking about Jesus. Spending time alone with the Father. Do you know how all that happened? 
because of this. <laughs> Amazing. So, I mean, think about it. Jesus is modeling this. Remember? Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us. Okay, don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. I read this to you last week in Matthew 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Oh, so when we spend quiet time, alone time with God, that's the way the power, the manifestation, the glory of God is seen and things happen for the kingdom. There's a direct correlation there. You want your life transformed. You want to change. You want to see other people's change. You want to see the spirit of God move. Go and be with God. Amen. That doesn't mean you have to go to the wilderness. That doesn't mean you have to close a closet, physical doors. There's a great woman of faith in history who was the, the mother of John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement in the church, uh, the, a great awakening that swept the entire globe. I believe she had 17 kids. I may be wrong on the number, but I think it was 17 kids, which is just absolutely crazy. And in the, in the writings of John Wesley, he talks about his mother's quiet time with God. There is no quiet time with 17 kids. I'm telling you right now. I was one of six. There was none. But this is what she did. And every one of her children knew it. When mom put the apron over her head and knelt down on the floor, leave her alone, she was being with God. Crazy, huh? She established a prayer closet right in the middle of the living room in all the madness by just putting the apron over her head and being with God. Okay, Jesus is just telling us, be with the Father. Be with the Father. You need to be with the Father. The only way you're going to ever have the relationship you need is to be with the Father. You're going to learn what it means to know the kingdom of God in heaven is coming. You're going to know what the will of the Father is because you're spending time with the Father. Oh, okay. It's not the only way to pray. That's not what he's telling us. That's not it at all. It's simply saying there has to be part of this in your life. But it's not the only way to pray. But I'm going to ask you this before I go to the next part. How often or regular do you spend time alone with God? I'm not asking you when you shut off the radio driving to work. You should do that. I'm not saying that. I'm asking you when is it that you unplug from the norm and you get alone with Him and you don't have an agenda. And you be with. So the Apostle Paul made this statement to the church in Colossians chapter 4. As he's writing to the church, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Church, devote yourselves to prayer. It's a critical aspect of our Christian life and walk. Pray. 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 He said, devote yourself to this. It is the most critical aspect of your walk with God is prayer. <laughs> Pray. But he says to us, hey, turn your brain on when you do it. Don't just say words. Don't just babble. Don't just wake up and say amen. Know what you're talking to him about. Know what he's saying to you. Listen. Not just talk. Listen. Oh. Oh. I got him really uncomfortable here. And uh, 
know what he's saying. Don't just repeat words. Engage your brain in what you're talking with God about. You know, just like when I drove by Dwayne on the way to church today and didn't know I, if he was out at the bus stop or not. I drive every Sunday, right? I told you that. I drive my bike to work, uh, to church every Sunday, and I'm driving down Speedway, and Dwayne's always, Dwayne that sits out at the welcome desk is always standing at the bus stop by Elvernon. And uh, every week I'm like, wave at him, and he waves to me. Today I drive in the parking lot, park my bike, and get off, and I'm like, huh, was Dwayne at that bus stop? Did I go through that intersection? <laughs> I'm at church. I have no clue. I was so lost in whatever, and I have that amazing ability, <laughs> that I had no clue. When Dwayne got here today, I'm like, hey, Dwayne, we got the bus stop? He goes, yeah, I was waving at the engine, drove by, and he didn't even look at me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Just, I mean, it's crazy. God just reminded me, even this morning on the way to church, he's like, you know how many times you've done that to me? Like, hey, God, you know, be with me today, and... and Amen. Like, the only times I've read the Bible and I'm at the end of a chapter or something, I turn a page and the turning of the page or, you know, I do it electronically, but just flipping it over and all of a sudden I'm like, no, oh, what did I just read? Come on. What was that? You know, uh, I better go back and look at that. <laughs> and then a second time and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I better read that out loud because I'm not listening. Amen. I'm like, God, I have this incredible ridiculous brokenness in me that uh, I, I got to get a grip on this because I'm jacked up. And I, I, I don't want to be. I want to change. I want to have this relationship with you where I do have that. I don't want to be unconsciously praying. Help me engage my brain. Turn my mind on. And, and the Apostle Paul, when he, when he says this to the church, he's devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. He goes on and says, pray for us too. Okay, so now he's stepping into a request, right? He's telling you this prayer needs to be a, an absolute part of your life with thankfulness as you come to God. But as you do that, please pray for us. So what is Paul's request? Pray that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So the Apostle Paul writing to the church and say, hey, would you pray for us, man? My, my friend Pete's broken. Uh, we got this relationship issue. We need some money over there in uh, the, the over there in the Thessalonica. And uh, you know, would you pray? For, no, you know what he said. Pray that the doors are open for the gospel. Help me to preach it clearly so people's lives are changed. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh my goodness, man! So, oh, it's kingdom stuff. His prayers are about the kingdom of God. Now, if you were to study Paul's. Prayer requests in his letters, the epistles to the churches. There's eight of these requests that he makes of the churches. And the addresses, I don't know if we have them on the board. If not, I'll tell you. It's in Romans 15, 2 Corinthians 1, Ephesians 6, Philippians 1, Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 Thessalonians 3, and Philemon verse 22. All those areas. You're going to find him requesting of the church a prayer request. In those requests, they fall into two categories. One of the categories is for the success of the gospel. Yeah. 
He's saying, church, let the gospel go, just like what I just read to you. Let people hear the message. Let them know Jesus Christ. Let me do it right. So they fall into that category. And the second one was this, the deliverance from the enemy's misunderstandings and persecution. I mean, it's all about the kingdom. He, he's talking about exactly what Jesus was giving us in the template of the Lord's Prayer and how to pray. And the Apostle Paul is calling to the church, and he's like, hey, can you pray for kingdom stuff? Can you pray that I do the kingdom work, that I'm actually a, a sharing Christ with people everywhere, that they know who he is, that they're receiving this faith, that their lives are being changed? Lord, oh, man, pray that I stay pure in my walk, that I'm, I'm free from the temptations of the enemy, that I don't misrepresent Christ in any way. Would you pray for me that way? Isn't that awesome? Oh, my goodness. He didn't pray one. He didn't ask one thing about what his needs were. Remember, we read it last week. He said, I've learned that I, I have to be content with whatever. I, I've, I've been everywhere in the scale of all things, and I've learned that it's all about Jesus, man. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, so today we're going to end our service a little differently. Um, I have action steps for you, but the action steps are a little different. Because I, uh, I believe that God asks me to change, and, and he's asked me to talk to you about this. Yeah. And so I believe that a lot of us need to uh, maybe have a, a change in our prayer times and who we are and what God does. And so what we want to do in our, uh, in our prayer time here, you're not supposed to use your phone in church, I know. Um, first thing I want to say is if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and a lot of sinners pray and they expect God to do what they ask, but they have no relationship with him. I'm so frustrated. I have a brother like that. He's always asking for prayer and thinking God needs to do stuff for him. And he doesn't have a relationship with him, and he doesn't even ask for one. But he thinks God ought to jump when he asks. It's crazy, man. Um, so I just want to tell you. Uh, yeah, it's not my brother, Mark. It's not him. It's our youngest brother, Scott, just so you know, so you can pray for him to know Jesus, all right? But um, here's the thing. It's like uh, if you don't know Jesus, your, your first prayer and your only prayer needs to be a prayer of repentance, confession, and asking forgiveness. And stepping into a relationship with the Father. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that has to be your prayer. Okay, I'm, I'm just telling you, um, none of the other prayers matter. You need Jesus. And if you don't know him as your Savior, that needs to be your prayer this morning, right here, right now. And um, those of you that do know Jesus, what we're going to do today is come to the Father in a moment of prayer to engage our minds and our hearts in gratefulness and asking him for kingdom stuff. So as we do that, though, you know, we may get a little confused and we may start running to our, hmm, our weather's great, the mountains are beautiful, <laughs> prayers. But if you just wait and trust the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will guide your prayer. God's word tells us this, that the Spirit of God will even help us pray. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, he's made it so easy for us, God, mm -hmm. if we just listen and do it. So we're going we're gonna to spend some quiet time with him. And in this moment, while we do this quiet time, um, this would be a great time for you that don't know him to get to know him. Asking for forgiveness and repentance and receiving Christ as your Savior. 
And that's kingdom stuff. And for those of you that do know him, it's time for you to open your heart and your mind to something bigger than you. So let's wait before God. And here's what we're going to do, which is real different for us and for me. And and I'm just going to ask everyone to not pray out loud, but to be quiet. Because this is going to be alone time with you and God, asking God to help you pray kingdom stuff in a grateful heart and mind. And so if you would, would you just bow your heads for a moment? I don't care. You can look up to the sky. I don't care what you do. Let's just be quiet with God. And let's pray kingdom.